Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable, season three. So exciting. Uh, Have to admit that we had no idea what we were doing when we first decided to do this and we kind of still don't but we're figuring it out as we go along and just really appreciative for the opportunity to do another season uh we're we're gonna switch up the format just a smidge we used to have kind of uh short uh episodes that were about 20 minutes um but we've heard from our listeners listeners like y'all and uh we know that sometimes there's conversations that felt like they were just getting going and then we stopped so we're gonna increase the length of the episodes just a little bit and um, we're also going to spread them out, leave leave people wanting more, just a smidge. But they'll still go out on Wednesdays, and uh, we're really excited. So stay tuned for, for this season because it's, it's going to be a really great one. And to that end, we are kicking off season three with my two esteemed guests today. Joining me are Jenny and Andy, and they are our two newest peer specialists. We'll talk about what that means. Uh, in Lincoln County, and we'll talk a little bit about where that that is, because uh, some people might be scratching their heads going, where the hell is that? <laughs> so, first of all, welcome Jan- Jenny and Andy. Jandy, I made up like a like a celebrity name, <laughs> Jandy. Welcome, Jenny and Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first time being on a podcast? Yes. yes. And full disclosure, y'all don't listen to podcasts. Right. I just learned what one was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh Hold on tight. This is going to be fun. All right. So what is a peer specialist? Tell me, for those people who have no clue, what's a peer specialist? We have lived experience to help guide and support people in their recovery. So if I'm like somebody who's like lived experience, what does that mean? Basically, it's a person who is in recovery themselves. Yes. Yes. So um, have you been a peer specialist before you came to Prevent Ed, or is this sort of a new career path for you? This is a new career path for me, totally. I worked construction the majority of my life, and then I got in a really bad work accident, and this is a new direction for me. And and I want to come back to that accident because I, I understand that that was pretty life-changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Jenny, have you done I this have. work? Okay. I have. All right. For like how long and like I what? I did it for almost a year. Okay. Before I came to prevent it. So why, let's start with you, Jenny. So why do you think that this is like a good job for you? Like, because and it is, by the way. But why is it a job I'm for you? Because I'm passionate about it and because I have minimum schooling and no skills, but I do have my recovery that I can share with others. And that's a skill. Right. 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 Exactly. Now, you said, you know, minimal schooling, no skills, which I certainly beg to differ. What is the, what what do you need to have in order to be a peer specialist besides lived experience? Do you want me to walk you through the process? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. The process is pretty simple. You go on the Missouri Credentialing Board. You Missouri sign, Credentialing Board, okay. It's MissouriCB.com. Yep, mcb.org or .com? It's .com. .com, okay. Yeah. Um, and then you sign up for the 
certified peer support specialist. It's a 40 hour class. They are working on nights and weekends. It should be coming up in a month or two. They should be getting that going. Because right now, is it just days? It's, now it's Monday through Friday oh. from 8 to 4.30. Which would be tough if you have a full-time, a full-time gig. full-time job. Okay. Yes. And then you do that. And then if you happen to be a felon exemption, they're working on that process. You have to do a whole thing, write a felon exemption letter and everything, but they're just making some changes on that too. So it'd be easier for people that they've been convicted of felon to get it. Um, there is also mentorships to help people get through it, which I am working on that. I'm supposed to call the lady tomorrow. Cool. And then you just take the class. Uh, a lot of stuff that they will teach you will be different than if you're in a recovery, some sort of recovery. It'll be different. Yeah. Because we're more of the harm reduction and let them make their own plan and not force anything on them and help them achieve their goals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's why we're a peer not clinical or legal all right so you just said a lot so i want to unpack some of what you just okay. said <laughs> so you talked about a felony exemption yes and i think that that is something that so i've been in this field for 15 years and it is a change that i have seen in my career is a change in how we make it accessible for people with, you know, I mean, newsflash, if you had a substance use disorder, you probably weren't always making like the the healthiest decisions, right? (laughs) Right. And maybe you got into some legal trouble because you were under the influence of substances. Mm -hmm. So rather than that hinder you from being able to be gainfully employed, there's been a really big push in this field in particular to say, wait a second, aren't we actually like preventing people from working in the field just because we're holding something over their head that- mm-hmm. Right, because right? if you have a substance use disorder, I am your peer. Like, yeah, you know, someone was felons, looks the part, everything. I am your peer more than, I have the lived experience. I The schooling and everything, Jenny said something about the schooling. Well, that don't matter because I have something that money can't buy mm-hmm. and that I almost pay with my life for. That's right. That's right. So that felony exemption. So if somebody's listening to this and saying, like, I want to be a peer, but I have a X, Y, and Z on my record, what you're saying is it doesn't matter. I had to write a letter to the state of Missouri and get references. Uh-huh. I don't remember how many in think that was it i had to do it three different times and it took me almost seven months most people are within 30 days it took me almost seven months to do the whole process because of different things happening yeah. changes and everything i just didn't give up you just got to write a letter i had a three character references mm-hmm. a letter from my sponsor all different things awesome but it's all things that you can do if you mm-hmm. just follow the They're directions very feasible. yeah and you know i'm assuming this isn't free right the what? To get the certification? The certification. I, when I it's actually certif- not free, but guess, free, guess but who can help you pay for it. Pays for it. Yeah. Pays for it yes. And, well, Prevent Ed actually has... Scholarship programs. That's correct. So it doesn't mean you have to work at Prevent Ed in order to get it, hmm. but if you want to get your peer certification, we have money through a, a funding source to be able to help you do that. So... Yes. so um, you need lived experience. So I'm wondering without, you know, I want you to talk to need me. Need is a strong word. You need lived experience? Yeah. 
you don't have, it's not a, well to be a peer right like peer. i can't be a peer right, right? like i don't right. i could other, be i could be i forget what the credential MRSS. is yes 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 but i couldn't be, be a peer, a peer. right, right. Mm-hmm. so i'm going to ask this and i ask this a lot to people who come who are in similar roles as you. Do y'all ever get tired of telling your story? No. No. Because it's your story that connects other people Mm -hmm. to you. Jenny, say that again. The more I tell it, the better I get. And then it also gives others the opportunity to see similarities rather than just differences. But don't you wake up some days and you're like, man, I just want to leave all that behind me and I just want to like, no. Well, that's part of leaving it behind you. If I tell Hmm. my story... And I could save one person from reliving my pain and misery. It was worth every minute of it. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving it behind me because that's also a healthy reminder that I don't have to go back there, but I could if I choose to. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, do you need to have, do you, do you need to be um, affiliated with like AA or a particular like model or? I feel like that's your own preference. However, for me, if I'm not, active in a recovery program I'm shortchanging myself because certain things were just symptoms of my disease and there's way more to it to get better than just not using Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which kind of speaks to the dimensions of wellness right that's another sort Mm -hmm. of model that people use um, that talks about you know financial wellness and spiritual wellness Mm -hmm. and even getting out in nature stages that's right yes yes um, so, so you don't have to, in order to be a peer, you don't have to be in, in AA or NA. Mm. No. No. There's many different ways to achieve the same goal. That's right. What works for me, even Might if you're in the same, if you're in the same program, my program is not the next person's program. Their program is not mine. It's, everybody has to find their own direction and no one can rob anybody else of their journey or push them through their journey. Mm-hmm. They got to walk through it themselves. You all were brought in here specifically to, and when I say brought in here, I mean brought to Prevented, <laughs> specifically to launch and build a program in Lincoln County. It's yes. been awesome. So tell me about that. Like, I'm just geeking out every time I get an email from you all or like, hey, this is what's happening. So tell me, walk me through how you all have been building the program and where we're at. And oh, by the way, where the hell is Lincoln County? Lincoln County is about 55 minutes from the city of St. Louis. North. North, northwest. It's actually between Wentzville and Hannibal. Okay. On 61 North. Okay. Okay. Troy is where our office and the majority of the center base of Lincoln County is. The office that we're about we to, we're about to open. <laughs> yes. Very exciting. So how do you, how do you go about building a program like this? What have you all been doing the last couple of months? Networking, lots yes. of meeting, lots of talking, just passing out our materials to wherever. Using the connections I had. What do you mean? Like the probation and parole office that I used to have to go to, or the drug court <laughs> facility that I used to have to go to, that I did keep touch with throughout the years in. And now you're going and you're saying, hey, here I am now, Mm -hmm. and I'm a resource for your clients who are going through the program. Yep. Right? And they love to have us. Awesome. We have some great mentors from our other CPS program that helped me and Jenny, like, different directions. Kenna Joe and Ryan were... And Monica. Monica. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Kenna Joe and Ryan were in... 
I want to say, I don't remember which season it was in, but they were in here and they were describing, it was hysterical because they were describing things that like, I didn't know that they were doing. And Ryan's like, I think we might get in trouble for this, but we were out in the woods one day looking for somebody. And I was like, la, 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 I don't want to hear this. And then Monica's come along and that, so the, the successes of our Franklin County peer program is what we're trying to replicate in Lincoln County. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people might be wondering, like, why are we doing that in, as a prevention agency? Like, what is the link, right? Like, isn't that normally treatment centers who do that and try to refer people to treatment? What makes our program different? Because in my experience, like, we're a peer program. We're not the so much clinical or legal aspect of it. We have peers that Someone may not want to stop using them, but learn. We help them learn how to be, do more harm reduction. Someone may be struggling with other stuff besides substance use disorder, like housing. Maybe housing, or- a license, a resume. You know, there's some people are there when. For me personally, that's where lived experience comes in because being broken, broken, busted, and homeless, you have a lot of a big hill to journey, and if you don't have someone there to help you that's been there and understands like the simple little things of where do I get a coat? Where do I get a license? How do I get a birth certificate with no ID? You have to have ID, get a birth certificate, but you can't get a That ID is mind a blowing to me. So I didn't we, know that. Well, I didn't know that. We can go to the PO and get pa- papers and stuff, you know, and from the courts and get these printouts to help them get that stuff without costing them anything or, or how to get to the doctor, or which doctor to go to for this, or where to go, how do I get to my drop? How do I get to court? We can help them learn how to do that, how to use the public transportation, where to go, which public entity to use for what, and not use, that's a bad word, but to help facilitate in their needs. Access, yeah, right. Access, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What is like, is there a typical day? No. 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 Change. That's a typical day. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the only thing constant is change. So how many like clients, and I'll say clients or peers, how many people are you working with at any given time? And is your phone just constantly blowing up? It, well, there, were, there was a process where we it felt like we were doing nothing yes, for a while. Yes, you had to build Because we were it. doing trainings and we were doing meetings and then this person calling me here, this person calling me at this time, and then the holidays and everything. So now it's like... We have peers, we have- We're getting a routine. A routine, you know? We're showing up to the treatment court for the staffing or to court with our peers. We're able to go to the DUI court or the co-occurring court with our peers and actually have one-on-ones with them and stuff. And right now it's, we have a little routine, but without, until our office opens February 13th. Um, It's a little still Mm -hmm. sporadic, but we do have peers that have contact. I have. I can't speak for Jenny, but I have peers that would contact with me, and we have one-on-ones, and we schedule follow-ups, and it's on their, their and time, not mine. it's even as mine. simple yeah. as going to a meeting with them. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be some big goal or this big, there's no, no goal or no... Um, Nothing too small. Yeah. I mean, it could be going to a meeting. It could be grabbing a cup of coffee. And, you know, I, the whole deal about licenses is, I mean, I, I came from a pretty privileged background, you know, and I am grateful that I have not struggled with substance use disorder. I have lots of friends and family who have, but I have never known 
until very recently, until the peers in, in Franklin County shed light on it for me, that without a ID, like, you can't do much of anything. Mm-hmm. And But it's hard to get, get it. an ID. Right. And it's a lot more difficult than it really kind of needs to be. It is. And, like, and then the whole aspect even the simple things like the library you can't get a library card to right. fill out for job applications i've or never even internet, thought about it uh you can't get file for food stamps or medicaid you can't get a social security card with the iid which you need a social security card you can't get birth certificate. well that's where we could step in and help them facilitate that with the po's and the with the probation office. sometimes probation, the simple things parole. that i find myself today taking for granted mm. and not even realizing how it could be right. for someone. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And not even even that big an aspect like being a peer and having an office or thing. We have an email they can use, a safe email they can use for jobs. We have a mailing address where their ID can go to if they're homeless. Totally. We have internet access for them that they can use to fill out the job applications, get their PO off them so they can pay their bills. It's the little things that we take for granted. Because I know from lived experience, it's rough being at McDonald's using the the Wi-Fi whenever it's cold outside. Right. It's easy if you have someone like us, like here, we have this, you can, we'll help you. So I think that's a really great segue. So, so one reason that I, I wanted to have you on is because I just think the work that you're doing is incredible as peers. Like, I think it is a tremendously um, misunderstood, underutilized resource is the peer program. And I will be honest with you, when Jenny Armbruster came to me and was like, I think I think instead of hiring more clinical counselors, I think we need to hire peers. I was like, ooh, I don't know. Like, are we getting too much into the harm reduction piece? And like, does it, does it actually make sense? Because don't peers just sort of refer to the treatment center where they found recovery? And, and Jenny was like, well, let's, change the model like let's change it let's make them let's let's have them not be allegiant to one particular treatment mode or modality modality mm-hmm. and like just like we do with everything else let's meet them where they're at in a really non-judgmental way and I was like okay. you know I mean I was I was a little a little hesitant well that's where the lived experience because totally because that's where the difference is I'm not connected to any treatment center like yeah, that's the first perception where the clinical side comes in is this place, not clinical. Absolutely, that's- absolutely. And clients tend to gravitate towards us because of that. One thousand percent. I I cannot tell you now how many people in my personal life that I would have referred them to a counselor, and now instead I'm referring them to a peer because I know it's it's more approachable right because you've been there and even if they talk to me and they're like you don't understand and I'm like you know what you're right I don't I don't understand but I can refer you to somebody who might Mm -hmm. understand so how if we don't know we know somebody that does totally that's right that's right because I don't know everything my sponsor don't know everything so we're always we're always learning as we go but we can we have the connections in that community to is it, it weird out. having to work in a community where you 
were maybe like making not the healthiest choices. Mm-hmm. Like when you walk into the the probation office, are you like, "Hey, me again?" or are you like, <laughs> "Oh, this is weird." So, it was really weird for me to walk through metal detectors at the courthouse with oh. my work bag. That was and weird. Not but it, and they were, know, right, right. <laughs> the weirdest was yeah. walking in probation and parole and getting called back to the back and walked through the metal detectors. That was the weirdest thing in the world because someone like me, the only thing I used to get at probation and parole officers is arrested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not laughing at you, no, but no, you know, I'm with laughing you, at me. right? Don't worry. Exactly. I'm laughing at myself. You walk in, and you're like, "Well, what's happening here?" All right, just yeah. didn't go. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I understand when someone's like, "I don't want to go to my PO." I totally get it, but we're right. going anyways. Yeah. yeah. Why don't gonna, you want to go? And I'm going with you. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with you. Why don't you want to go? How can we help you? Communications is key. I didn't find the probation and parole being uncomfortable or weird, but for me, the courthouse, walking through the courtroom and going to the back and sitting in a room with the judge and everyone getting treated as equal. Mm-hmm. And then sitting in the, mm-hmm. what do you call it, where the lawyers sit up front at court? Oh, yeah, sitting I don't know what there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I looked at my LPO and I'm like, no, this is weird. <laughs> I remember uh, one of our uh colleagues one of our team members was in a room with a DEA agent mm. and was like kind of looked over and was like well never thought I'd be like in this situation <laughs> like <laughs> like we're just hanging out you right. know you right. know talking shop when I did the CIT oh thing, yeah when I spoke the CIT the thing, crisis there was, intervention training yeah there was a uh, few officers that had the pleasure of dealing with me when I was about substance abuse disorder <laughs> Were you like, hey. Before I introduce myself, I'm like, I know you. It was my, it was my introduction. But yeah, that's another thing we do as peers is the Christ intervention with law officers. and Because you help law enforcement officers break the stigma, understand. Because there are peers too. Totally. Because law enforcement, in my experience, don't know how, not to talk bad about law enforcement, they don't understand where we're coming from, that we're not bad people. Terrible people. We're just sick people making bad choices. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody has a job to do, and that's mm-hmm. where it helps to get the lived experience so we could talk to them. Like it was in that mindset said it was me against you, not you have a family and I have a family. Right. Type deal. Right. Um. So speaking of of lived experience, which I just like, I don't know. I just I find I really do. I think, I love all of the work that we do, but I just think the peers is just like. It's it's pretty damn incredible. Um, you mentioned when we first started talking today, you mentioned that you had a pretty like significant work accident. Yes. And you were working in construction. Yes. And as I'm sure, you know, you know, and I know people who listen to this podcast, you know, we've had we've, we've talked a lot with members of the construction industry about, you know, workplace accidents and what it means to be a recovery-friendly workplace and suicide and mental health and, you know, what that looks like in the construction industry and, and maybe what it used to not look like, but what they're trying to evolve it to now. I don't know that it... Go ahead. It, it's definitely been a substance use-friendly workplace. Yes. I don't necessarily know if it's been a recovery, in my experience, recovery-friendly workplace because there's the... The stigmatism, which we're trying to break. Yep. Um, the stigmatism of, I've worked a hard blue-collar day, let me let some steam off, do whatever, and then drive home. 
Totally. So that's the stereotypical construction worker. Mm-hmm. And in the movies and whatever TV commercials back in the day, if you're that old and like yep. me. Um, yep. But yeah. I'm that old. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. But there's always this blue collar type thing. You know, yep. you make great money, you work hard. And if in you're reality, not, that's not it. Yeah. In my experience and everybody that I've known, you work really hard, you party really hard on Friday, you're broke on Monday, you're trash employee till Wednesday, then you. <laughs> Find some way to get again. some money again to make it till Friday, and then you do it all over again. Then you go to prison for a while and get out and start over again. Because mm. usually in construction, in my experience, was, hey, I'm a felon. Okay, you're hired because we're the hardest working people in that thing. Like mine was a freak accident, but there's a lot of accidents that cause people to have back injuries, hip injuries, arm injuries, cuts and stuff, which then the cheapest pain medication is opiates. And so, yeah, and if you're not working, you're not getting paid, right? Right. And so you're, you know, using all kinds of things to mask the pain so you can continue working. And then there's this whole, like, machismo, um, bravado type of thing. Exactly, that, you know, you're too good for help and you don't need this or you don't need to talk to a counselor or whatever. I come from a construction family, so I understand this. But I also know that, you know, there there are efforts. There's there's always more that can be done, but they just, do you know that they... um, The last five or 10 years, there's been a lot done to make it a lot better than it was. Like they've worked really hard, the unions, the, the independent companies have worked really hard to be more recovery based and more more aware of what's going on mm-hmm. you know? they just one of the i think the one of the unions just hired two journeymen to act as peers mm. to actually be able to go out and do exactly what you all are doing but specifically for people in the construction industry so um i i think that there's progress but to your point there's a lot more that needs to be done there is. And, and they would they would say the same thing. And that's where the lived experience and mm-hmm. like we're kind of leading the way in what we're doing mm-hmm. to get that there. Because like us starting the program in the county, we're working with the Franklin County to do it. And we're starting from the basis. So we have a lot of ground to cover, but we're doing it very fast because we have good mentors. And we ask just. And ask because the, right the need is there. The need is there. Like very. There's, there's very few things that people are going to never have a use for and that's water and help in, right you know because and it doesn't mean that lincoln county i should say by the no, way no lincoln county is not like lincoln county isn't worse than any other county no. like it's rural we applied for some rural funds yes and that's why the program is there just like that's why the program is in franklin county but every county should have the same program i agree yeah absolutely every county absolutely was the accident at your work the thing that sort of made you say woo like and i'm not asking what about do you mean? Abada is that when i got in recovery yeah but i think you no know, i was in recovery for almost a year really before so this really like, i was, was just a freak i was accident. clean yeah i was Oy. clean and it was a freak accident at work yeah so and the healing, though, from that would be, I mean, pretty significant, I, I could imagine. It was pretty significant. Like, I had a lot of dark days, mental health days, 
for say suicidal days um just a lot of stuff everything comes with the tbi and pins and mm. like traumatic brain injury and non-epileptic seizures and the post-concussion syndrome and the shakiness and mm. the everything there's i spent basically months learning how to do everything then the emotions come with it and i refuse to take any pain medicine the whole right. time right well that's sort of what i was getting at right like that i can imagine that that would be a tremendous amount of physical and mental pain yeah. and for you to maintain your recovery through that like i didn't do it alone i had a lot but that's pretty that's I had lots pretty of amazing yeah i mean there's days that yeah i didn't want to do it there's days that i was going to give up but i had lots of help and that's where the peers came in you know yeah. and that's why when i did this training and everything and originally i did it in may i didn't start working until yeah. Actually, I did it in, in April or beginning of May, and I didn't start working until in November. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole process. Yeah. And what got you into this line of work? Um, Because the last time that I got in trouble was pretty significant, and I knew I wanted change. And so I went through programs and this and that, and I just want to be there to help others, give mm-hmm. them hope and show them that you can go from this to something better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You all have accomplished a tremendous amount, you know, professionally and personally. Like, what does success look like for you at the end of the day? Like, what does what a successful day look like for you? Going to bed clean. If that's, if that's all I do, I did. I had a good day. Okay. Okay. Yeah, some days all I can do is just not mm-hmm. make it worse. I, I will mess up everything and be a terrible person to myself and everybody else, not consciously, but as long as I don't stick a needle in my arm or put a substance in my body, I can make up for it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes with the substance use disorder, if you know the stages and the, the way it works and everything, it's I'm far from my last use, but I'm right around my corner from the next one mm. if I don't do something different every day. Because at this point, it's not about the substance. It's about my thinking. So I had to change yeah. all my thinking. Like Behaviors. After you go through the... I go all stuff. But after do you go, it. I, I'm After I'm you listening. go through your, your pause, your post-acute withdrawal syndrome, which is depending on what drug you use. So your withdrawals, like your detox your or whatever. Your physical withdrawals, then you yeah, have yeah, emotional... Yeah emotional stuff that sure. you have to do and they have all this baggage that I had for years these feelings this emotions the abuse the neglect the abandonment all the stuff that I mashed for years right through substance or whatever I acted out on so I had all these feelings emotions and all this trauma that I just didn't know what to do with so I had to start peeling that stuff away and work on it and a lot of it I didn't want to some of it I still don't want to but that's right. where I have peers and other people around me to help me get do that and learn how to be a emotionally stable, well-being person. Mm. <sighs> On some days. Wow. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I... That, it is something... This is going to probably come out way weird, but it's something that I admire about the people that I know in, in long-term recovery is that it is a choice. Their mental well-being Absolutely. is a choice every day mm-hmm. to prioritize it That's and to work on it. the greatest gift recovery has ever given me as a choice because I have a choice today. Yeah. That's why I said some days I can just not make it worse because it's a choice if I make it worse. It's a choice if I do something crazy. It's a choice if I stick a knee on my arm. It's a choice if I go back to prison. Everything I do today is a conscious choice. Yeah, whereas some days 
quite honestly, like I feel like I'm on autopilot, you know, and I, it feels That's dangerous for someone in recovery. I, mm-hmm. Right. And this is what I'm, this is why I mean, and I, again, I, this might sound so bizarre, but in a way I'm very, I admire the self-awareness mm-hmm. that the people I know in recovery have because it, because in order for them to maintain their recovery, to achieve it and maintain it, you kind of have to have that mirror up to your face, which. Well, putting a mirror up to my face is how I got in recovery. Right. No, I'm just joking. No, I mean, but <laughs> yeah, but for real. No. Right. And yeah. whereas like if I if I want to stuff some shit down, I can. It might come back and bite me in the butt, mm-hmm. but I, I can do that and I can set stuff on a shelf for like I'm an avoider, so I can just put it over there. But I, from what I have experienced, people in long term, like you, you, it's a choice. To the more I work through my things, yeah. and the more I unpack that bag, yeah. the stronger I get. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I think I is have, really admirable. I'm selfish and I'm self obsessed. So if I leave, if I do something, that's a core of my disease, self obsession. So if I leave something somewhere, I'm gonna obsess on that. Mm. Until I ruin everything else until I deal with that. Yeah. Whether it's the childhood trauma I've repressed, the abuse, the neglect, the the problems with my children or divorce or money problems, whatever. If I repress that stuff, it's going to vomit onto everything else yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, was a, I admire people that, that can just sit it down and walk away, but I will sit it down and think about it and run into the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you all set boundaries? Like, what do you all do for fun? How do you, because I know that that is something that, you know, I had a question the other day. We were, we were talking to a funder and the funder said, this peer program sounds so great. How do you make sure that you're taking care of your peers? And I thought that was a really great question for a funder to ask. And so what I did, I just, uh, raved about Tarisha because I think Tarisha who is the associate director of our peers and is overseeing it I mean I think she does a tremendous job of checking in on y'all and making sure that you take time but I also realize that it's challenging to set those boundaries so how do you set boundaries what do you do for fun like how do you like relax a little bit not have to think about it all the time or is that even possible it i mean like there's a professional aspect and a personal aspect of that like for me when we meet with people like at different treatment facilities or probation pro and everything we set those boundaries clear up front as professional like these are things we can do these are things we can't do mm-hmm. Ed does a very good job of helping us with the self-care and community everything our team you know together you have a really great we have a really great team that does that like and then with us being in recovery we all have our individual recovery Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. and like setting boundaries is pretty easy sticking to them is the hard part (laughs) or having them set on you if someone sets a boundary on you it's a difficult situation for someone that's very selfish or self-obsessed too i mean and that's things that we have to learn. So that's where it's great to have a great team and a personal recovery to have other people to bounce it off of or other people to ask, how did you do this? 
And if they don't know, that's where you have other people. Yeah. That's where the networking. Your network and your foundation. Network. And the coalitions that we're part of. Mm-hmm. We have a vast network of people in the coalitions that we're part of. And then mentors through those coalitions and different things like community-based that we can work with. So it's, it takes a village mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you do for fun, Jenny? I um, spend time with my family. How was Branson? It was awesome. Good. It was awesome. Um, I go shopping, which I don't know if that's healthy or not. Hey, but... whatever. I'm not judging. <laughs> um, I like to work in my yard. I surround myself with my NA family and do events with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what else do I do? I guess that's about it. That's that's my kids keep me really busy. They're teenagers, so okay. Well, so speaking of that, um, I know what you do for fun. I know you. I know you bake, cook, cook, bake cheesecakes. (laughs) I like to play poker. Really? Okay. I don't know anything about poker. I get tattoos. Yes, that's a good one. Mm -hmm, mm Mhm. 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 That's another addiction, though. Could be. Tattoos (laughs) Tattoos or <laughs> yeah. not? I know, I know. It feels it feels so good. But though. it's a Isn't healthy one. It's a health. Yes, right, exactly. Well, so tattoos, and you mentioned your kids. So I know your son is a ta- tattoo artist. Yes. 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 And I know your kids like are a huge part of your mm-hmm. life. How do you talk to your kids, or what? To the, what extent do you talk to your kids about your past experience? They know it all. They know it all. But won't that make them want to do Education it? No. Education is the best thing for, in my opinion. Education is the best thing that helps because the uh, ounce prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, the more, I believe the more we educate them or open with them and talk to them about the struggles and just where I've been and what I did, they may still choose to do it. Right. That's, That's true. And, you know, but you're but not telling them what like to do a mental or health allowing or them something. to. Yeah. If you bring it up, that don't mean they're going to do it. That's correct. It's better to have them hard, rough conversations than to have them do it and not have no place to go. At least if I talk to them and experience it, because I have teenagers too, they will know that's been there. That's where it's just like working with the peer. You know, our children are our peers. They are the next peer. Mm-hmm. And it's also all about honesty. You know, how dare I drag them through my addiction and not let them be a part of my recovery? True. <sighs> I've never heard it said like that, but that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. They must be really proud of y'all. They are. Number one fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. Yeah. Because they don't have to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have went the whole other way, but well, it, that's not my story. It sounds to me like just like you're choosing your recovery, they're choosing to be part of your recovery, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. It's. I'm still working on that. Yeah. Still working on that. Yeah. And aren't we all, Right. right? We're we're all working it's all on progress. it. And it's a progress. It's a process. Totally. Yeah. We have this um, slide that we use with some of our high schoolers, where it's like a straight arrow, and it's like what you think success looks like, and then what it then you have like journeys and whatever, <laughs> and it's like what it actually looks like. Because mm-hmm. there are some days where you know your kids probably wake up and hate you, and then there are kids where you know there are times where like you're like mom and dad of the world, just like it's the same thing mm-hmm. with me. Like some days I'm like the coolest stepmom in the world, and other days it's like. <sighs> you know, right? 
So that's part of the that's part of the journey. But that's yeah. kind of with everyone, <laughs> you know, not right. just your exactly, kids. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you so much, you both, for being here. I feel like I have learned a lot, not just about your role, but also just about you as people. Um, and I, I really hope that everyone listening has learned a little bit more about this field and this specialty because I think it's it's uh, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. It is. Yeah. It's very rewarding, too. It's been awesome to bring it from the ground and just see how how it grows and how fast. If you build it, yep, they will come. Yep. Uh, February 13th, our new office opens. Mm-hmm. Very exciting in Lincoln County. Uh, it's, it's in, in Troy. State Bank. Yes, Community State Bank. Troy, Missouri, second floor. I haven't seen it with my own eyes yet, so I am really stoked to get out there and and get it painted and get some furniture in there. Thank you all for the work that you're doing. It is really life-saving. So I appreciate you. Um, you. If you like what you're hearing, if you want more of this, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. See you next time. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.